0: Welcome to The Spartan Life, where we explore what it means to be part of the Southern Lehigh family. An attempt to cover
1: all of the sweet, sweet goodness that is Southern Lehigh High School in 30 minutes or less.
0: From first-hand coverage of exciting
1: experiences to intimate discussions with some of your favorite
0: teachers. To inspirational interviews with diverse students on unique journeys. That's right, great students accomplishing great feats. We'll do our best to hit all of the highlights. But inevitably, we will fail. Because there's so much to celebrate, we're afraid your brains would simply melt if we tried to cover it all. We are your hosts. I'm Mr. Howe. And I'm Mr. Castagna. Join us as we venture into the heart of Southernly High High School, one interaction at a time, on
1: The, the Spartan, Spartan Life. Life. Well, we hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving. Mr. Hop, did you enjoy your break? I did. It went by too fast, but I
0: feel like I had a lot of time spent with my family. Even got a little uh, Black Friday
1: shopping done, which was which was worked out well for me. How about you? I never do Black Friday shopping. I do it all online now because it's just so much easier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we had some family visiting from out of town, and they wanted to go shopping. And I thought, what better way to spend the holidays than with some loved ones, fighting our way through traffic and yeah. pushing people out of the way and wrestling with others for the last toy left on the shelf. Well, now see, I didn't actually go
0: out on Thursday night. It sounds like you were out on Thursday night. Went out. Early Friday morning. Okay. Yeah,
1: six, seven o'clock, pretty early. Too early. Um, but it turned out that was too late. I've decided after a decade of not playing video games that I think I want to invest in a video game system for my family. You know, we finish dinner and the homework is done and we don't have any activities that night. We'll all huddle around the TV and play some games together. Yeah, let's play some Fortnite. There were some fantastic PlayStation 4 deals on Black Friday. So I went out there, and it was completely sold out. Total disappointment. I got completely shut out and didn't get a PS4. So I waited for Cyber Monday. There was an even better deal. I stayed up until midnight, which is late for me. I'm a public school educator, so during the school year, I live like a 90-year-old like ni- woman. at 9 o'clock. And I go to bed yeah. at 9 o'clock. Yeah. So I stayed up till midnight, and somehow between the time when I put the PS4 in my online shopping cart, and I entered my credit card information and attempted to check out, it was out of stock. Yeah, bogus. So if any of you gamers out there hear of any good deals where I can get a PS4 for around 200 bucks, hit me up at slspartanlife at slsd.org. That's a shameless plug for a free PS4, I think. It is. I don't know that I should be using our official email address for that, but I am. So go ahead and let me know if you hear of any good deals. You know what else we use that
0: email address for? Trivia. Ah, oh, yes, that's right. And I heard of a nasty rumor that we have made a Google-proof trivia question. It was pretty hard to
1: do. That's right. But I think between the randomness of the quote, the vagueness of the clue, and the difficult spelling of the character's name Bodhi, oh, yes. nobody could Google the answer and figure out the name of the movie in which a character named Bodhi Here's the words, Viacondios con Dios, in the final scene. Right. And I think the way I just said it might tip the scales a bit, but it's too late now, gang. Viacondios con Dios are the final words spoken to Bodhi in the film Point Break. One of your favorites. My all-time favorite movie. Not the remake, the 1991 original where Keanu Reeves plays an FBI agent named Johnny Utah who has to infiltrate a gang of surfers who also rob banks. And I realize that description does not do the film justice, but trust me. Uh, the character, Bodhi, is played by Patrick Swayze. He plays them as this Zen, Buddhist, wise surfer type. It's a really great performance. Um, spoiler alert, if you've ever seen The Fast and the Furious, it's basically a remake, scene for scene, of Point Break, is but it? with cars instead of surfboards. I totally didn't know that. Absolutely.
0: Oh, wow. Scene for scene. Which,
1: which brings us
0: to this week's trivia question.
1: Yeah, we had fun at the expense of all the charities we've been donating to here, and we made a joke about selling Spartan Life earbuds. That's right. uh, That we're going to raise money for a fictional charity, but not one that we made up. That's right. It was actually from a TV show? 90s sitcom. We'll go so far as to say 90s sitcom. I was worried about giving too much information. I think we'll give them 90s sitcom. Okay, 90s sitcom. So you have to go back and listen to the previous episode and see what fictional charity we mentioned. Then you got to do a deep dive and figure out what 90s sitcom was that fictional charity created in during a holiday-themed episode. Excellent. That's all we're going to give you. That's all, nothing else there, Mr. Can't Stand You. Can't Stand You! All right, now <laughs> okay. we've given them too oh, much. Oh, no! We're Edit moving on. Out. Edit that out. We are moving on. <laughs> Just a reminder... Uh, We did put it out there in the last episode, and we do still plan to go on WSOL and make it totally official, but we are asking for submissions for people who'd like to become a part of the Spartan Life staff during the spring semester, during Spartan Block. All you have to do is produce one of the three segments that we do on the show, create a polished, perfect interpretation of one of those, and submit it to us. If you've got what it takes and you make the cut, then you are in So one option you have is to produce a news segment. We've done several different types of news segments, and we're certainly open to suggestions. All you got to do is find something very topical going on at the high school. I think the most topical thing going on this week was the compliments activity that we did school-wide.
0: So we went around and got different teachers' and students' reactions to that particular hot seat activity. Have a listen. (laughs)
2: Hi, my name's Hannah Ostrowski, and I'm a junior.
1: All right, Hannah, how did it feel writing positive statements for other students?
2: Um, I thought it was honestly a rewarding experience. I was with the class with a bunch of people who I was comfortable with, and then a couple of the other students who maybe aren't as outspoken were able to get the chance and like see the impact that they have on others, so I just thought it was rewarding to participate in and to see.
1: I'm Dominic Casiova, I'm a senior. And how did it feel to sit in the hot seat? Uh, I thought it was a really cool experience because I got compliments from people that I don't even normally talk to, and I thought it got people to really reach outside of their normal boundaries. I am Donald Snyder, and I'm a junior here at Lake High High School. All right, Donald, what is something somebody wrote about you? Well, I was sitting in the hot seat, turned around. On the list of compliments was I'm short, physically short, but tall in spirit. My name is Mr. Greenewald. I am a math teacher here at Happy High. And what kinds of nice things did your students write on the board about you? They, they wrote some nice things, like they thought I was a good teacher. Um, one wrote that he or she appreciated the way I was respected my students. Uh, but my favorite uh, was that they really appreciated how shiny my head is on a daily basis, which I take great pride in uh, because I do actually shine it every morning. I'm Tim Caruso, I'm a senior. And how did it feel to sit in the hot seat, Tim? Hot. Is that all you got, you got anything else? Yeah, really hot, just really hot. Thank you, Tim. So I'm Kaylin Frederick
3: and I'm a junior.
1: And what's the nicest thing somebody wrote about you?
3: So the nicest thing someone wrote about me was that I have luscious locks.
1: Hi, I'm Mr. Steiner, I teach kinesiology, forensic science, and genetics. And Mr. Steiner, how did it feel to sit in the hot seat? Uh, I'll be honest, it was pretty uncomfortable, uh, especially at first, not quite knowing what my, what my kids, my students were writing. Um, but after it was all over, it was it was rewarding, you know, to see some of the nice things that they had written. Um, I generally don't take compliments that well, I definitely feel more comfortable giving them than receiving them, but it was it was a nice experience. I'm
2: Maddie Dubois, and I'm a senior.
1: And what's the nicest thing you wrote about somebody?
2: Um, during music theory, I wrote about my friend Sam's eyebrows, and he really appreciated it.
1: My name is Kyle Shalaskis, and I'm a senior. Kyle, what's the nicest thing you wrote about somebody else? Well, Mr. Castagna, I was in your Spartan period that day, and I wrote that you were ripped. Th- that was you? Oh, thanks, man. That's great. Awesome. So there it is. I was told I was ripped, and as shallow and superficial as that sounds, and as silly as the whole activity seemed to be, when I introduced it to a group of seniors, I actually felt really good by the end of it. And I think my students did as well. What was your experience like, yeah, Mr. Howell? Yeah,
0: I actually sat in the hot seat, too, and got some pretty awesome comments behind me. I'm a great teacher, they thought. They thought that they were actually enjoying math because
1: of me. There's nothing you want to hear more from your students, you know, as a teacher. You get out of bed in the morning, and you think about the things you hope to accomplish, I- and then when you turn around from that hot seat and you see those very things written on the board, I mean, right. it's hard not to get choked up. Yeah, I like, like it. Really I moved liked it. It was, it was really good experience, um, I That whole day for me was an extremely moving and powerful day. Uh, it was, I described it to my wife as one of the best days of my teaching career. That's pretty awesome. I did a related activity in my English class. We were getting ready to read the play Fences, uh, which focuses on a black family in the 1950s. and There's a lot of racially charged language. So I feel like it's a good idea to have a conversation with my students about tolerance and diversity. So I led a very impressive discussion on the part of my students. Uh, they were eager to participate. I thought it might last half a period and in all of my classes we went about 70 straight minutes. And That's we were, pretty cool. Yeah, they, they did something that most adults and certainly most politicians can't do <laughs> which is listen to the other side and then in a sensitive and articulate way convey your feelings so that there was a A natural flow, a give and take, and people actually heard one another. And they heard one another so well that I received an email from a student that left me speechless for a good five to ten minutes after. Um, She has recently made a very personal decision, and she was a little uncomfortable about that decision she had made, and she felt that after a day like the one we had on that Wednesday that she was surrounded by people who are accepting and tolerant, and it made her feel more comfortable in her skin with the decision she had made. And that email went into the folder I keep For the days that are nowhere near the best days of my career, when I need a reminder of why I do what I do. Which, Which, by the way, kids,
0: we all have a folder as teachers of that email or that particular note or that drawing that certain students have left for you that are extremely special
1: that you hold on to for years and years and years. Speaking of special students, we conducted an interview with senior Deany Hernandez. And she's special in so many ways, uh, many of which you're going to hear about in this interview. Um, You've heard her on the morning announcements. Now you get to hear her on the Spartan Life. Here we go with Deany Hernandez. So how are you doing today, Deany?
3: I'm good. How are you?
1: Doing really good. It's a good day. So let's get right to it. Um, Among the many reasons we summoned you for this interview, is that your background is a little different from the majority of the students here. And I mean that uh, geographically, culturally, socially. So tell us a bit about how you got to Southern Lehigh.
3: Well, as Justin Bieber likes to put it so eloquently, um, if you go to Taco Bell, that doesn't make you a taco. So both of my parents are Puerto Rican. <laughs> 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 you,
0: you tried to work that talk, that Justin Bieber. <laughs> just I one really
3: one. do try. This is
0: probably the first time Justin Bieber has actually been mentioned on the podcast. Oh, really? Let's keep it that yes.
3: way. <laughs> uh,
1: what Bieber song is that?
3: Oh, it's not actually a song. It's just oh, a, it's just a of his. Yeah. okay. I love that. The words, the uh-huh. words by okay. Definitely.
1: So it's, it's a Bieberism. Beaverism.
3: Oh, my God. <laughs> so
1: from that beaverism we've learned Dianne is not a taco. Go ahead. Indeed.
3: Um, so both of my parents are Puerto Rican. My mom was born and raised in Puerto Rico, but my dad was born in a foreign country that a lot of people like to call New Jersey. Yeah. Um,
1: is they do things differently there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think of it as a foreign culture, too.
3: But apart from that, other than my race being Latina and, like, Having transferred uh, sophomore year from Gwen and Mercy, which was an all-girls school, to uh, public school Southern Lehigh, I'm not really very different. I'm not fluent in Spanish, which a lot of people like to assume, but I really do love it at Southern Lehigh, and I do like the transition because I really want to challenge my schema, And by transferring from an all-girls private Catholic school that's tiny, and a lot of people like to joke that Southern Lehigh is tiny, but we didn't have more than like 500 girls in our school. So, it really was a transition, and it wasn't a hard one, but it was definitely different.
1: What do you think is the biggest difference? Is it the switch from all-girls to a co-ed school? Is it the switch from private school to public school? Is it the switch from a really small school to a slightly bigger school? What's the biggest difference?
3: I think not even the school itself, but just the entire life here in Coopersburg compared to Hatfield. There's definitely a different feel to that. And like a lot of the people are different than you would see only an hour away. So it's really interesting to see that. And um, going from like Catholic to anything is kind of interesting, too.
1: You transferred here as a junior, you said, right? Yes. So is it difficult coming here at 16, 17 years old and not knowing anybody when you're surrounded by people who have known each other pretty much their whole lives?
3: Yeah, it actually is, but I do like the fact that not a lot of people know me because then all of a sudden I'll just say, oh, I do this and this, and people are like, whoa, you do? No way. And then there are people who have been here all their lives and there's nothing really to talk about anymore, which I think kind of takes away the fun.
1: I think I do that to you all the time. On a yeah. daily basis, I learn something new about you that I find interesting. Uh, you are a very good student, um, but on top of that, you find time to be an artist, to play hockey, you write poetry, you're on the morning announcements. I think you have a job?
3: Yes, a job. I do. What's your job? I work at Giant, actually.
1: Oh, you work at Giant? Okay. Along with everybody else. Yeah. Pretty, pretty common job <laughs> around yeah. here. Yeah. And a host of other extracurriculars. Uh, how do you manage your time so effectively because you seem pretty successful at all of that
3: um honestly i'm a chronic procrastinator i will wait until the last minute for literally everything no matter how much i like it but i do manage to get things done because i always tell myself the nights that i'm losing sleep or stressing a lot that in the end no matter what comes to me it'll seem easy compared to those weeks
1: you wear it well i would not have thought you were a procrastinator <laughs> yeah. but i think the balance you speak to is is good advice for anybody like you can really push it hard if you know once that's over you get to take a nap you know you get to take a take a break and then yeah. things will will kind of ebb and flow it will be really hard now but then things will be a little bit easier but in terms of your hobbies what is your favorite hobby if you have any free time what do you usually devote it to
3: um so I've tried almost every single sport on the face of the earth from fencing to competitive cheerleading but fencing. I <laughs> fencing one. Yeah. you don't hear that very often I did quit cheerleading to become a hockey player and hockey is probably one of my favorite things and another hobby that i really love but i'm kind of banned from doing uh racing and dirt biking
0: so it's go-kart racing
3: yeah go-karting um but
0: not not nascar i'm thinking like oh no definitely
3: nascar one day Oh okay uh i wish (laughs) uh you have to know someone to really get into it but definitely i want to like try racing for real
1: Yeah, that is... That reminds me of English class. Uh, I can't think of a better word for it than scrappy. Like, you're just, like, gritty. Uh, I remember you holding that plank in the Beowulf game. Do you remember how long you held that plank for?
3: I think five minutes something seconds. Yeah,
1: it was long. I think in your class there were four groups, so four people competing. Yeah. And you finished second only to the... Quarterback of the football team.
3: That's
1: <laughs> yeah, really Yeah, he wasn't impressive. going down
3: anytime soon. <laughs> no, as,
1: as soon as it was the two of you, we were like, yep, I'm out. So I'm not going to beat him. Uh, but I was impressed. You're, you're in good shape. Uh, you've clearly done a lot of physical things. Uh, what about art? We haven't talked about your experiences with art at all, but you always seem to be carrying around some kind of art project. So yeah. it seems like something you're very involved in.
3: I actually just started getting really invol- involved in art um, junior year. I was never allowed to take an art class because middle school I wasn't really into it. Beginning of high school I took Latin two years. And um, freshman year I had no option because any students who got a certain grade on the entrance exam to Gwenda and Mercy were automatically put into Latin. The second year I decided, you know what, I'm taking Latin already. I haven't really tried art enough to be able to. And at the end of sophomore year I was like, I really want to try art. Um, so I talked to my mom about it, and she said, I really want you to take an honors class. So I applied to Honors Art three uh, at Glen and Mercy and submitted a portfolio, and she said, you know what, despite never taking an art class, I think I'm going to let you into it. Wow. And then I transferred here, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Um, my guidance counselor actually offered me to take portfolio. I was a little nervous because I've never seen anybody do art here before. But it was really interesting, and now I'm taking portfolio. I wish I would have had the talent that some of the kids in there do have, but it's really fun and stressful, but fun.
1: Was art just always something you wanted to try, or did you know you had some artistic ability? Like, for example, you had to submit a portfolio to get into your first art class. Yeah. Like, if I decided I wanted to take an art class, I would not have a portfolio laying around. Yeah. So what had you been up to up to that point?
3: So I sketched every once in a while, but when she said I had to submit a portfolio for like a month, every time I went home, that was all I would do. And then I submitted that. But what really got me into art to begin with was the fact that my older sister, she is absolutely amazing at it. And I used to look up to her a lot, which is really what influenced me.
1: How many siblings do you have?
3: I have six. Six. I have one brother and five sisters. Wow.
1: How many are older?
3: I have two older siblings. Two older.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah I talked to your father a little bit about that at uh, conference night. That was one of those conferences where obviously I did not request that conference. I was not worried about <laughs> DNA. but her father showed up because he likes to know what's going on. And I basically spent 30 seconds telling him, your daughter's amazing. And then I took out a notebook and I said, how did you parent her? Because I want to do the same thing (laughs) for my daughter. So she turns out really well. Um, And you said you were influenced in part by one of your older siblings, but you're a very capable student. And when I say that, I don't just mean you get good grades. You seem genuinely invested in the lessons, at least in my class. And you're always asking questions that other people are not asking just because you seem to like to learn and you want to know as much about the topic as you can. Where do you think that work ethic comes from, and why are grades important to you?
3: Um, well, for years recently, I determined my success on how great my grades were. And I've been coming out of that period thinking, when I leave high school, I don't only want to remember all those nights that I worked my butt off to get the grades I do. So, grades are just a plus for me now, and my work ethic really does come from my parents, both of them are doctors, and both of them are extremely successful in whatever they do.
1: Both of your parents are doctors. Yes. That explains a lot.
3: So it's definitely a lot of pressure, and I want to prove to them that I can do everything that they did my age and more.
1: Wow. That's a really good point about grades, too, is grades are important, mm-hmm. and you know to consider grades to be everything, uh, the result will probably be good, but then once you get out of this place, that's not really how the world evaluates us. Exactly. I mean, it is in college to a certain degree, but then once college is over, you don't receive grades anymore. You're know, you 100% right once you're actually out of the school setting. It's not like I'm graded on a daily basis. We're talking about grades and how that doesn't normally necessarily translate to the real world. What are your plans for the real world? Where are you going after all this? Surprisingly... I think of you as one of our most successful seniors on every level, but I don't think you've applied to colleges yet, have you? No. That my is dad has been mind blowing. Me. Mind yeah. blowing. So <laughs> the end of November.
3: I know, I'm crazy. I'm I'm almost there. But your,
1: your father even mentioned potentially a gap year. Yeah. So it sounded like the sky was the limit, the options were wide open. Yeah. What are you leaning toward at this point?
3: I have looked at over like 50 careers in my life, no joke. Uh, When I was a kid, I wanted to be president, firefighter, doctor, anything was on the table for me. Recently, because I've been taking AP Psych, I've really been looking at psychiatry as a career option, and last year, I was dead set on becoming a NASCAR racer. (laughs) I kind of did come back and think, you know what, maybe I should pick a career. And then once I garner up enough money to be able to pursue that kind of dream, then maybe I can come back to it. And also just the fact that just because I'm going to college, I'm definitely going to college. I don't know where or when yet, but when I do, I know I'm going to go to med school and that's going to be like a good plan, but that's just a base. And then I have my entire life ahead of me to do all of the things that I've dreamed of before which is really cool. And I'd also like to retire with a goat farm. There are plenty of possibilities with over 210 species of goats in the world. I hope you enjoy that fact.
1: did you google stuff just for this interview
3: no actually what is your interest
1: in goats where does this come from i
3: do random research all the time i had that justin bieber quote memorized since ninth grade in honors geometry
1: and you never knew if it would come in handy or not
3: exactly and all of a sudden i was like wow this is perfect let's let's think of this one
1: from tacos to goats (laughs) tacos to goats i have one lingering question that for all your intelligence and your quickness on your feet and your ability to think fast, what is up? with those Ron Burgundy-esque moments on the morning announcements, where you read the teleprompter no matter what it says. Like, for example, see Mrs. Houseware in room 183. I'm uh, <laughs> Ron Burgundy. I'm And the Ron Burgundy reference, for those who don't know Anchorman, is they put a question mark at the end of his name. So he'll literally read it and say, I'm Ron Burgundy, even though he knows for sure he is Ron Burgundy. As smart as the N is, she'll read whatever they put in front of her. What is up with that?
3: Oh, uh, there are a couple couple reasons. Um, the first one, which is probably the biggest one, is the fact that I'm supposed to be wearing glasses. Oh! And <laughs> I didn't
1: know you were glasses.
3: I, uh, yeah, because I never wear them. Yeah. <laughs> so I struggle to read a lot with the teleprompter. And also, like... I guess nerves get to me, hmm. and uh, I just am so dead set on not mispronouncing a name because I'm infamous for mispronouncing names yep. on the announcements, even the principal's name. Um,
1: it was part of it that you're relatively new here, so you just don't know all of these names?
3: Definitely that. And also just the fact that when I'm trying to read off of a screen and I can't really see well, it just doesn't end well for me. (laughs) You
1: are kind of natural on the announcements, though. Do you have any interest in pursuing anything like that? Any kind of live performance or acting or news media?
3: Any career that I do pursue, I know that I definitely want something to be interesting with it. Mm -hmm. If there's something that isn't stimulating, I don't know what I do with my life.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, DeAnnie. Much like the morning announcements, I think you sounded really good on the podcast. I learned a lot, including vocabulary. (laughs) Very articulate. So thanks for joining us. Thank
2: thank you. you.
1: Now, there's a young lady who really wants to experience life to the fullest. She does things her way, right? Maybe she'll go to college now. Maybe she'll go later. Maybe she'll drive some NASCAR. Maybe she'll do something else entirely. But uh, her options are wide open, and that's very cool. That's excellent. On to another individual who certainly likes to do things her way, we had to sit down with Mrs. Hauser. Be prepared, we
0: had to do a lot of editing in this next segment, because she had a lot to say.
1: She's been teaching a long time, so she was reflecting on a long career and how things have changed in education and some of the new things that we do, some of the things that she embraces, some of the things that she resists. She's pretty old school and she's got some strong opinions about that.
0: So, as Deany would say, here's the interview with Mrs. Houseware.
1: So, Mrs. Hauser, what do you teach here at the high school?
2: I teach English, and I teach ninth grade college prep and honors 9. And I've been teaching only freshmen for several years now.
1: Do you like teaching only freshmen?
2: I do. At first I was a little nervous when I saw that I'd only be teaching freshmen, but I actually really do enjoy it. I like that age level. I feel like I can mold them a little bit. And they, for the most part, they're good kids, pretty sweet and pretty uh, pliable.
1: So you've been plying those students for the last <laughs> six years, or that you said?
2: Yes, yes. Okay,
1: but you've taught a lot longer than that, so you've got a lot of diverse yes. experience. And we're really excited to talk to somebody who's been in the profession for as long as you have. Mm-hmm. How long have you been a teacher?
2: I have been a teacher since the early 90s.
1: Do we know, do we have a year uh,
2: n- 92... So, all of that here? No, actually, I went to a small Christian college in Florida because I am a native, I'm not a native Floridian, but I was raised in Florida, and my husband also went to college in Florida, so we met in Lakeland, Florida, and then after he graduated, we actually got married. I was pretty young. And then he got his masters at Western Kentucky University in philosophy. So I went to Western Kentucky University to finish my English degree. And so I graduated from there. And then we moved to Milwaukee, where my husband got his PhD. And I started teaching in Milwaukee
1: at a middle school. Has he ever moved anywhere for you? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question.
2: Maybe we should get him interviewed. How did Uh, you
1: end up here? Is it because he got the job at DeSales?
2: It is. Mm -hmm. It's because he got the job at DeSales that we moved to Allentown. And then I actually taught at William Allen High School for a year. And then got the job at Southern Lehigh in 2000.
1: Uh, so tell us about your career in education. What are some of the things you've taught? What have, what have you liked? What have you not liked?
2: Well, I do. Obviously, I love English as the subject since I'm an English teacher. I, I love teaching books and plays that I think the students get excited about. I do really like Romeo and Juliet. And I think part, most of it is because they get to act it out and that's fun for them. But I do love Shakespeare I love the language, the creativity, the figurative language, and how much you can analyze the language. I can't always get into the analysis as deep as I'd like to with my students.
1: Mm -hmm. I know that feeling.
2: Okay. Exactly. But there are certain quotes I like to delve into and really explain to them and make sure they understand what's going on and how this does relate to them now, even though it was written 500 years ago.
1: You're a fairly conservative person. Mm -hmm. So Shakespeare was not. So how do you feel about those passages that are, shall we say, naughty?
2: Well, (laughs) I don't always reveal the double entendres to my students. I will reveal some of them and explain some of them just because I think they're going to find it funny and they're going to find it interesting that people actually talked like that and made jokes like that 500 years ago, that these students did not make up naughty jokes, that it was done way before their time. So I, I'm i not so prudish that I won't reveal them and explain them, but I don't do that to all of them. Mm-hmm. And I do it in a certain context. Like, yeah, in appropriate in, in, context. In a, yeah. Yes, in an appropriate context. So oh. they usually get funny about the honeymoon scene, but I say, hey kids, they are married, so it's okay. <laughs> so.
0: But, and, and but even putting things in a historical perspective mm-hmm. as well. But I know that some of the jokes are even—you have to put them in historical perspective mm-hmm. to understand exactly why they're funny or mm-hmm. why that was even uh, mm-hmm. why that line was even put in to mm-hmm. the play to begin with.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good talking point because mm-hmm. I taught a lot of Shakespeare when mm-hmm. I first started because I had seniors when I first started. Then I was down to juniors. Then I had sophomores and now I'm back to seniors so I went a few years without teaching Shakespeare and it does feel different teaching it now mm-hmm. sensibilities change mm-hmm. uh, maturity levels change every right. generation's a little bit different mm-hmm. so you teach Shakespeare a little bit different and you address that content a little bit differently the naughty stuff mm-hmm. what other big changes have you seen in education over the course of your career or even just at Southern? how long have you been at Southern Lehigh
2: since 2000, so Since it's 2000. been 18 years.
1: So, what's changed? Like, what are some of the biggest changes for you?
2: Well, I'm going to say the biggest change is technology. I knew
1: you were going to say that. You
2: knew I was going to say that because you know me, Joe. Uh, and I didn't get my first computer, as far as a teacher, until I came to Southern Lehigh. So, obviously, in Milwaukee, we didn't use computers. The kids didn't have computers, of course. And at William Allen, I didn't even have a computer, so everything was done. You know, all the records were kept on paper. But Southern Lehigh, when I first started, teachers did have computers, and it did make life easier for grades, for attendance, for all of that. But the students didn't have computers. So if we wanted a computer, we had to use the cart. Oh, I
1: remember the cart. Yes,
2: you remember the cart. So... um, I do think laptops, in a way for the students, that has made life easier for them. But I do think also they're a bit of a distraction for students because I feel like I do have to watch them when they're on the laptops and I can't necessarily trust that they'll be doing the work. So walking around or land school, which is monitoring them, I feel like that is necessary because of the laptops, even though it makes life easier in a way.
0: So outside of, uh, of school, yes. do you avoid technology as well in your personal life?
2: No. So I am basically a hypocrite. I do email.
1: <laughs> I don't think that makes you a hypocrite. Okay. That's not state-of-the-art okay. technology. Right. It was in, like, 1994.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I email. That's the way I keep in contact with people. I don't text. Uh... I don't know if I'm a pessimist or a Luddite, but I do have issues with technology. When I see students walking in the halls and their heads bent down, that makes me sad. (laughs) (laughs) And when I see people out on a date or dinner and each person's on their cell phone, that makes me sad. So I do think it has taken away. And I... I think it gives students a sense of instant gratification. Uh,
1: Instant gratification, I think, is the biggest problem. I'm a grown man, Mm -hmm. and if I have downtime, I will find myself falling into my phone. If it's accessible and I have a few minutes with nothing to do, it Mm -hmm. becomes instinctual to reach for it.
2: Exactly. So to ask
1: students to use laptops and to expect that they're not going to be tempted to look at other things while they're doing their work is ludicrous. So it does have to be monitored. Right. Um, And I I would agree that we've sort of invited that demon into the classroom, that genie is out of the bottle. Yes. And now we're trying to control it because there are a lot of good uses for technology. Yes. Yes. Are we just becoming the older generation that complains about the young generation? And it's really not that they're any worse or Mm. different than we were. We just are old and don't understand them and don't want to accept their ways.
2: I'm not going to rule out that possibility, (laughs) but I do think technology is different than anything we've had so far. That's a very good point. So I think with the internet, with smartphones, there is a difference, but I do understand. Like, I could be an old fuddy duddy, these crazy kids, yeah. I don't understand this generation. There could be some of that, but I think there is something lost because the students are so inundated with technology. All
1: right, so I think this became the uh, anti technology <laughs> podcast.
2: Let's try to steer away from that
1: because I feel oh. like we've gotten your views on that, but we want to know more. Okay. Uh, How has your teaching style changed over the course of your career? Because I know you haven't included much more technology. (laughs) I know you're still very low-tech. It's
2: always going to come to technology.
1: but I know you've probably changed and evolved in other ways. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. what do you do differently? What do you do better than Mm -hmm. when you started?
2: Okay. Well... I do use Google Classroom now. (laughs) We're back to (laughs) technology. I'm sorry. I can't help it. No. Okay.
1: What do you still find exciting about teaching? You've been doing this a
2: long time. I know. I mean, you can do the most
1: exciting thing in the world for as long as you've been doing this, and it's going to lose some of its excitement.
2: The books, the books have pretty much stayed the same for a long time, but the reactions are different. So, with a different set of students, you're going to get different responses. Which sometimes, every so often, a student brings insight that I haven't thought of, and I love that. Isn't that amazing? After all these years and all the number of times you've read a
1: work, they can open your eyes to something you didn't. Scares
2: me to death. It does. though because think of
0: the difference. Like Mm -hmm. I, I. Can anticipate right. what issues my students are going to have. Right. They're not going to distribute a negative, they're mm-hmm. not going to carry the one. Right. I can anticipate that. Right. And there's very little things Mm -hmm. that surprise me in the classroom. That's why I've never wanted to be a math (laughs) teacher. I (laughs) love the surprise. I love the excitement. I love being in the moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a difference in the content in that particular. There's so many things that are the same, and there's so many things
1: that are different. Okay, so we've gotten a good sense of you as a teacher, Mm -hmm. but uh, how do you spend your free time? Uh, Hobbies? I think you travel a little bit. Talk Mm -hmm. to us about that.
2: Okay. Um, Well, I do like reading, and that may seem expected as as I'm an English teacher. What do you like to read? Outside
1: I, of the school day, what do you read in your free time?
2: Well, I do like to read dramas. I like to I I do like crime dramas even to read. I like to watch them, but I like to read them. I do like the classics like Jane Eyre and Dorian Gray and the old ones I used to teach when I taught senior.
1: So do you find yourself, even though you're not teaching those anymore, rereading them on occasion?
2: I haven't reread them recently, but I have reread them. So I'll go back and read Jane Austen and Charles Dickens, and I do enjoy that just because the literature is, I love the way they write. But I have been reading more modern novels. I don't know. Anything that kind of sounds good from the blurb on the back, I'll check it out. And I like to you know read in the evenings. My husband and I are big fans of Netflix, so we like crime dramas, suspense thrillers. Um, I wouldn't consider myself very active, but we like to walk in our neighborhood. So we live in an old neighborhood. We like to bike ride in the summer and we do travel to Florida because I was raised there, so we'll go to Florida every summer for a couple weeks and rent a place and we love the beach and we love paddle boarding and that's about it.
1: What what do you think is your attraction to crime dramas? You don't seem like somebody that, that would that's be That's a good question.
2: Maybe because it's so foreign to my life. Mm-hmm. That I can just sit back and watch something and say, oh, my goodness, that's interesting and exciting.
1: It's true escapism.
2: Exactly. I think if I were ever affected by something like that, I could never watch a show like that again.
1: Well, thank you for taking uh, the time to talk to us, Ms. Houser. I think Mr. Haub has a couple
2: welcome. of... Uh,
0: Random questions. Okay. For us. So, so we've been doing this on a couple of our podcasts. They're would you rather question. Okay. So I'm going to read a would you rather. And right. then you, of course, give your answer. And if you wish to explain, explain. If not, that's fine too. Okay. The first one Would you rather live alone in a giant house or live in a regular sized house with a hundred roommates?
2: Oh, my goodness. I guess I'd take the first option live alone. Okay. In a big house.
1: Would the house have technology in it? I <laughs> <laughs> would well, it'd have to because I'm alone. Yeah, you'd have to. Uh, I'd have to have a, a TV
2: somewhere. and my email and some books and coffee.
0: And the last one. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be famous for an accomplishment that you didn't actually do, Ooh. or create something super important but no one ever knew about it? The second
2: it? one for sure.
1: Totally knew she was going to say I couldn't
2: live with yeah. myself if I did the first That's dishonest.
1: Even if it was something she invented, I don't think you'd <laughs> want to be famous. You'd be like, no, it's somebody else did it. I right. didn't do that. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much for joining You're us. Very this thank you very welcome.
2: Thank you, Joe and Ryan.
1: Yeah, that's a woman who hates technology. But
0: it was interesting to hear maybe some of her thoughts on how education has
1: changed for her over the last couple years. Yeah, I think for a couple years, you weren't allowed to have that opinion. And it's sort of like as a teacher, you've got this vast toolkit and you're supposed to come in and you're supposed to consider the lesson, the content and the students you have in front of you, plus your own strengths as a teacher and your personality. And you play to those strengths and you give your students what they need using any of the tools you have at your disposal. Technology is merely one of those tools and there are lots of other great tools that lots of teachers like sure. to use sure, like whiteboard markers and chalk yeah, <laughs> that's nice and lo-fi you know Mr. Wilde one time said to me the power went out not when the power went out this week this was a couple years ago uh, he pointed to the chalkboard and he said that never runs out of power that's exactly right that's about it for us. i uh, just reiterate a couple of key points. We are looking for those submissions for those of you who want to participate in the Spartan life. So produce a news segment, produce an unsung hero segment where you interview one of your classmates, or go and interview a teacher for a teacher's in classrooms drinking coffee. Um, Don't forget, if you want a prize or some extra credit... We want to know what 90s sitcom featured that fictional charity that we mentioned last episode. Send us an email at slspartanlife at slsd.org. And don't forget to follow us on social media, at slspartanlife on all social media outlets. Until next time, uh, via con Dios. you sit on a
0: throne of lies. Danica Kirkpatrick, right? That's a,
1: Danica that? Patrick.
0: Patrick. I'm yeah. not, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That's, this is going to be an outtake. This is going to
1: be at the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's very meta. Isn't we'll it? be talking about the outtake in the outtake yeah. at the end of the podcast. Jeez. Wow. I'm always evaluating you, <laughs> well, but I'm that kind of friend. Yeah. Silently. I feel judgmental. Oh, out loud. <laughs> yeah. I, I, make my, I feel better about myself well, you know, by I, putting my friends down.
0: And thank goodness you do, because it keeps me in check.
1: Oh, it's nice there it is This nice. part's <laughs> still probably going to get cut okay. anyway. Because the podcast is not <laughs> we about could talk us.
0: talk about this being an outtake of the outtake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> outtake number two.